and welcome to the Westside Church's special Monday Morning Coffee Podcast. On this podcast, our preacher, Mark Roberts, will help you get your week started right with a look back at yesterday's sermon so that we can think through it further and better work the applications into our daily lives. Mark will then look forward into this week's Bible reading so that we can know what to expect and watch for. And he may have some extra bonus thoughts from time to time. So grab a cup of coffee as we start the week together on Monday Morning Coffee with Mark. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to the Monday Morning Coffee podcast for Monday, May the 2nd. I'm Mark. I've got a cup of coffee with me. I've got my Bible open. I've got some sermon notes from yesterday's sermon as we start a special series asking for a friend. I've got my Bible reading sked and a whole bunch of notes about that because this is going to be a crazy week in daily Bible reading. Lots to talk about. Lots to do. Let's get started. Yesterday was a big day at Westside began this special series asking for a friend with that super important question, can't I be spiritual without Jesus and the church? Made some important observations about that. First of all, I'm glad that people are questing for spirituality. That is a good thing. We want people to be thinking about the spiritual dimension of life, and it certainly shows that we are spiritual beings that were made by God to seek after him. And that is Paul's point in Acts 17. I worked out of Acts 17. Seems like I'm in Acts 17 a lot. It just fits and helps so much in our culture today, which in many ways mirrors, I think, that culture that Paul was working in there in Athens. And we really talked a little bit there about genuine spirituality and how that works and what that's all about. Spirituality is about pursuing God. And what Paul says to the Athenians and what I think we need to say to people today is it's great that you're pursuing the spiritual. You're on the right track. You need to realize there is more to life than this life, but you are missing something. You need to go further. You need to go more. You need to quest for the God of the Bible. And that means that spiritual activity is not just anything that makes us feel good. It is what connects us to God. And there is such a thing as right and wrong. And we get real assurance in our spiritual activity and enterprise when we do what God says we need to do to connect to him through Jesus the Christ. And I hope that that came across in a good way and not in a rah-rah way, a little behind the scenes. I can do some of that in the podcast here. Really concerned about this sermon that I'm going to come off just screaming at people like the old guy, yelling at the kids, get out of my front yard. I made reference to that yesterday because that is really uppermost in my mind when I'm trying to connect with people who maybe are giving us a look for the first time or who are going to hear that sermon or watch that sermon on our Facebook page at some later date and think, well, do I really want to try this Jesus thing? So here's an extra thought or two then that I would add to that sermon that maybe will help us a little bit more as you're thinking through it. If we're going to talk about spirituality somewhere in there, we need to start talking about life after death. We need to start thinking about reaching beyond the grave. And I think you do get that in Ecclesiastes. And the idea of the resurrection of the dead is something that Paul can make a lot of. And that has been a struggle, for example, for the Corinthians in our daily Bible reading. We've been seeing some of that in 1 Corinthians 15. And that is the point where the Athenians cut him off. The other thing, I really wish I could have talked a little bit more about this, 
that sermon that Paul preaches in Acts 17 is very much about Jesus and not about the church. But the church is part of true spirituality because in real spirituality, we want to connect with people who are connecting with God. We want to be in a community with others who are seeking the Lord according to the scriptures, and that helps us so much to keep us on the right course, to give us the opportunity to serve and help others get on the right course and stay on the right course. Community is a huge part of genuine spirituality, and Paul emphasizes that, for example, in Galatians 6, throughout the Corinthian correspondence that we have been reading, the church is so vital to our walk with God. So somehow trying to turn down the emphasis on the church is really a mistake. We want to turn up the emphasis on other believers, sharing with them, working with them, encouraging them, and being encouraged by them. The church is a vital part of genuine spirituality throughout the New Testament. And that is something that I think Paul is going to say a whole lot more about in Acts chapter 17 if he doesn't get cut off before he can say it. How about that? Hope that helps you as you're thinking about the sermon yesterday. Let's then, yeah, let's go to that Corinthian correspondence because that's where our Bible reading begins this week and kind of kind of ends and then begins again. And I'll explain what I mean by that as we open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Welcome to Monday. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 12 to 24 that we're going to read today. And here is Paul closing out 1 Corinthians. We are finishing 1 Corinthians and fixing to go. Oh, I love that's a wonderful Texas expression. We're fixing. We're fixing to go to Acts chapter 19 and pick up the story there with Paul and start traveling with Paul again. It's been great to be in Corinthians, but I know a lot of us are kind of thinking, "Mm, let's get that story going again. In some ways, sometimes that's a little easier to work with. But I like this ending here. Don't just skip past that. Sometimes when Paul starts giving the howdy-do's, that's another wonderful Texas expression. Start saying hello to folks. We just kind of hit the fast forward button and move right on through that. Don't do that here. Stay with it as Paul continues to encourage the Corinthians here. And he does that. Look at verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm, act like men, be strong. Those are imperatives and they have a very military flavor to that. He then makes reference, notice verse 17, to the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, and we do not know anything about those guys. Did they bring news of the Corinthians? Are they the ones that brought some of these questions that Paul has been answering? But pay particular attention then to verse 18. They refresh my spirit as well as yours. Listen to that. Paul has deep care and love for them. And he still loves them, even though there's a lot of crazy going on in Corinth. Question 1a that I have added to our daily Bible reading is, what's Paul's mood? And you need to think about that as you do today's reading. What is Paul's mood as he closes this epistle. Verse 21, I write this greeting with my own hand. That's pretty common for Paul. There's a couple of other places, 2 Thessalonians 3, Colossians 4, Philemon. He'll say something like that. 
Paul often dictates his letters and then at the end says, give me the quill, and he'll write a little bit there in his own hand to authenticate that letter. We know that there were some forgeries that were circulating, so that is important. Then the letter ends, of course, with that famous expression, verse 22. In the ESV, it's our Lord come. In some translations, it's Maranatha, which means our Lord come or Lord come quickly. And that's what Paul is praying for. We should pray for that as well. This section here, has a good, warm tone to it. I think it is reaffirming to the Corinthians as Paul puts the quill down. He is hopeful that they will accept this letter and make the necessary changes and corrections. But Paul knows there's trouble in Corinth. There are people there who are saying he's not even an apostle. Don't listen to him. He's preaching a false gospel. And Paul is anxious. How will this letter be received? We're going to Acts tomorrow, but by the end of the week, we'll be talking more about this church in Corinth. That's Monday's reading, 1 Corinthians 16, 12 to verse 24. See you on Tuesday. Have your Bible open to Acts 19. It's Tuesday, and for our reading today, we're reading in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 to 20. We're back with Luke in the book of Acts. Remember where we were, 19.1-10, Paul is in Ephesus, and he's been there, Acts 19.10, for two years. This is where Paul writes 1 Corinthians. This, I gave a reconstruction of this, and I hope maybe this is going to work out. Trying to tie all this together and make these timelines go and decide where Paul was when can be very difficult. But it does seem that Paul visited Corinth, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 1, talks about a painful visit. So he wrote them a letter from first, he wrote what we call 1 Corinthians from Ephesus. He mentions that in 1 Corinthians 16, 8, and that is this account here, right here, Acts 19, 10, and Titus takes it to Corinth. And Paul waits in Ephesus for a time, but after a while, Paul finally decides, I got to go see what's going on in Corinth. I got to go see how 1 Corinthians was received by that church, what's happening there. In the meantime, yeah, there's a riot. And that comes because Paul is powerfully preaching the Word of God, and Paul is doing some miracles. Actually, Acts 19.11 begins our reading by saying that God is doing the miracles here. Even handkerchiefs or aprons, verse 12, that had touched his skin could be used to heal. And maybe this is Luke comparing Paul to Peter. Peter does a kind of similar sort of thing in Acts chapter 5, and Luke is often concerned to show that Paul and Peter are equal and both can do the same kinds of things. And so maybe this is an intentional parallel, but what that does is set up another showdown between the gospel and magic. Magic in the New Testament world is seen as a real thing. It's not sleight of hand. It's not smoke and mirrors. It's really the power of the occult, the power of the Hadean realm, the power of the devil. How is that going to go? Can the gospel overcome that? And we get what is easily one of the funniest scenes in all of the Bible, where the sons of Sceva, we don't know any Sceva as a high priest. Evidently, he took that title on for himself and just decided to call himself that. They just say, hey, we know that we can do this and we think we're something. And so they start trying to do what Paul is doing. And the evil spirit in verse 15 says, I know about Jesus and I know about Paul and I don't know who about you. I don't know anything about you. And then the evil spirit, the man with the evil spirit just whips them. And everybody hears about this 
And this is a huge win for the gospel. And so many believers come, verse 18, and this is a huge win for the gospel over magic, verse 19. And they burn their books and put away this attempt to manipulate and being manipulated by the occult and by evil spirits. They burn those books. Books, of course, are super valuable in the New Testament world. 50,000 pieces of silver. This seems to be 50,000 drachmas, which would be a day's wage. So just think about what a day's wage is today. Multiply it by 50,000, and you have some idea of the purchasing power that we're looking at here. And you put this in with Acts 8. You put this in with Acts 13. Once again, the gospel triumphs over false teaching. The gospel triumphs over magic, and the occult. That's the emphasis here. And then we get verse 20. That's one of those ending statements, one of those summary statements that Luke uses, and that really ends section 5 of the book of Acts for Luke. That's not often how we divide the book, but I think that is how Luke is dividing the book. That's Acts 19, 11 to 20. That's Tuesday's reading. Hope to see you in the Zoom Bible study tonight. If you remember the West Side Church, we'll talk more about what's going on here and maybe more about demon possession. Tomorrow, we'll read further in Acts chapter 19. Bring your riot gear. There's going to be trouble. See you tomorrow. It is Wednesday, halfway through the week, and we are reading in Acts chapter 19, verses 21 to 31. And this is a key place in the book of Acts. In Acts 19, 21... We read, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. That's the theme of the rest of the book of Acts. That little verse is often overlooked. That is a huge verse. Luke is going to use Paul's journey to Rome very much like he used Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. In Luke 9, there Luke tells us Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, that's Luke 9.51, and the rest of the book of Luke until the cross is about that journey, that journey of destiny where Jesus says, I must go and do this. And now in Acts, Paul in a very similar kind of way has the journey of destiny. I must, verse 21, Acts 19.21, I must also see Rome. There's a lot of things that are going on here, and we know from First and Second Corinthians, for example, that part of this is about carrying that collection for the saints to Jerusalem. But Luke doesn't talk about that in Acts. That's not important to Luke, and that's maybe just going to clutter the story and the main point that he wants to make, which is that Paul is going to go and carry the gospel to the center of the Roman Empire, the capital of the Roman Empire, the most important city in the Roman Empire, he's going to Rome. That's the center of the Gentile world, and he is going there and is determined to go there like Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. So keep your eye on that. We get some of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, verse 22. That's the first mention of Erastus, who becomes a trusted companion of Paul's. He's mentioned again in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 20. Notice that Silas Silas is gone. We're not sure where Silas is or what happened to him, but he's not part of this traveling party at this time. Then Luke covers for us this incredible riot by Demetrius. Demetrius is a silversmith, 
And this is all about money. The, there's a decline in sales of idols because Christianity has come to town, and that threatens everything about Ephesus' economy. In Ephesus, there was this amazing temple, the Temple of Artemis. It was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. It had been rebuilt after a fire in 356 B.C. It actually stood until A.D. 263. So when Paul is standing there, this temple is... Yeah, 400 years old. Maybe sometimes in America we don't have an appreciation for things that are really old. This temple had been there a long time, and it was huge. It was 165 feet by 345 feet, sitting on a platform that was another 240 feet by 420 feet. So this is a huge temple sitting on a big platform that is huge. It's three or four times the size of Solomon's temple. It had 127 marble pillars of white. They were 60 feet high and decorated with brilliant decorations of gold. Only one of those pillars, by the way, remains today. Like I said, it was considered one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, and it was a great tourist attraction. Ephesus' economy was in decline at this time because its port continued to fill up with silt, and the city was in an economic depression, and it was becoming more and more dependent upon people coming to the temple of Artemis. And what Demetrius says is, Folks aren't going to come if this Christianity thing keeps building up and more and more people become Christians. And there's some pretty funny lines in here. Verse 26, he says, I can't believe Paul goes around and tells people that gods made with hands are not gods. That's that's just funny any way you slice it. And then in verse 32, Luke tells us that most of the people came into the amphitheater and they didn't even know why they were there. This amphitheater seats 25,000 people. It has been excavated and is in excellent condition. You can still see it today. I have high hopes at some point to journey to this part of the world and stand in this amphitheater. We get a little bit of common sense going on here as we read a little bit further. That's really for tomorrow's reading. I don't want to get too far. What I want us to look at is the threat the gospel poses to false religion. False religion is usually, I'm not going to say always, but usually based on economics and money, and true religion will always crowd that out, and that makes false teachers really, really angry. And you get a big dose of that today because we're having a riot in Ephesus. See you tomorrow. We'll finish Acts chapter 19 and dip our toe a little bit in Acts chapter 20, and then, yep, Paul's going to write another letter. See you tomorrow. For Thursday's reading, we're going to read Acts 19, beginning verse 32, through Acts chapter 20 and verse 2. It's kind of an awkward break there, but it's necessary because of what Paul is doing. Let me detail some of that. The end of Acts 19 deals with Alexander calming the crowd, verse 33, and then the town clerk comes, verse 35, and just offers some common sense. We're going to get into trouble about this. We need to all go home. And if there's really a problem, Demetrius needs to take that to the courts. I do think that Luke is emphasizing again that the gospel is harmless to the Roman Empire. It has no political ends. It's not trying to overthrow the government. It's not a problem, Romans. Don't worry about this new Christianity movement. And I think Acts does a good job of maybe assuaging some of those fears that something's going on that the Roman government needs to take notice of. No, it's all fine. Everybody go home. Nothing to see here. Then we're going to read in Acts chapter 20 two super important verses. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. 
Wait, 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 wait. In chapter 19, verse 21, which we read on Wednesday, Paul said, yeah, I'm going to go to Macedonia and Achaia and then to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to go to Rome. Rome was the focus. What happened here? Why are we going to Macedonia and why is Macedonia the focus here? It's because it's because of the church in Corinth. Paul will tell us in the Corinthian correspondence that we're going to resume tomorrow, 2 Corinthians, that he is so concerned about the church in Corinth, he couldn't stay at Ephesus. He ends up picking up and going. What he's doing is he's looking for Titus. Titus carried 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth, and Paul is going to meet him, and he has hoped that by now Titus would have made his way all the way back to Ephesus and told him, given him the news about how that epistle was received. Now Paul feels like he has to find Titus and meet him. I just can't wait any longer, and so he ups chapter 20, verse 1, and heads to Macedonia. I'm going to find Titus. I must know what's happening with the brethren there. And Paul leaves an open door in Troas because he is so concerned about what's going on in Corinth. And as we read in 2 Corinthians, Titus does join him probably in Philippi. And 2 Corinthians 7 tells us about that reunion. Somewhere in Macedonia then, Paul is writing 2 Corinthians. We don't know how long all of this was. There's some discussion in Romans, for example, in Romans 15, that he preached in Illyricum, which is in a, a province way north of Macedonia. Did he do that at this time? It's hard to find when else Paul would have done that particular preaching. A big key here then is, as I said earlier in the podcast, Luke paralleling Paul to Christ. And those journeys... Jesus going to Jerusalem and Paul going to Rome are just very similar. Like Jesus, Paul traveled to Jerusalem with a group of his disciples. Like Jesus, he's opposed by hostile Jews who plot against his life. Like Jesus, he makes predictions of his sufferings, including being handed over to the Gentiles. And like Jesus, he says he is ready to lay down his life. I think Luke is really saying that Paul is being like Christ. And so... Paul heads to Macedonia. Paul is concerned about the Corinthians. He is so concerned about the Corinthians, he is going to write them another letter. And we'll read that letter starting tomorrow. See you on Friday. We'll be in 2 Corinthians. You made it to the end of the week. It's Friday, and we are starting 2 Corinthians. Today we read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. The breakdown here in 2 Corinthians, first six, seven chapters going to be about, I'm coming to see you again, and I need you to get ready for that. Chapters 8 and 9 need to talk about this contribution for the saints in Jerusalem. Folks at Corinth, you need to get on the ball with that. And then chapters 10 to 13, Paul says, you need to stop listening to these workers of Satan, these false teachers who are undermining me and who seem to have mesmerized some in Corinth and dazzled them. No, stop looking at that. Pay attention to the true gospel, and that leads us to the big theme. Pay attention to Paul. I am a true apostle. Accept me as a true apostle because I care about you. And the main key verse that we're going to use for 2 Corinthians is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll be reading this next Tuesday, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I wrote as I did so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you, 
that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. That's what Paul's all about. I care about you, and Corinthians, I need you to care about me. I need you to accept me as a true apostle. And that theme is sounded notably as Paul begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You're going to read lots of comfort here. Get a little bit of a, how much wood can a woodchuck chuck? When Paul talks about, I want you to be comforted with the comfort with which we are comforted by the same comforting that we have been comforted with, you could be comforted with. It's a little bit of a tongue twister there, but you're going to see Paul's interest in their comfort and Paul sharing with them very clearly how much suffering he has been involved in, verses 8 and 9, that may reference, he says, we we felt like we'd received the sentence of death. Is that something that happened after he left Ephesus? Or is that maybe a reference to Demetrius's riot? And Paul thought, man, they're going to come for me. I'm, I, this is the end. The whole city's just up in arms, and they're going to come, and they're going to tear me limb from limb. By the way, sometimes people will say, God never puts more on you than you can bear. And that really sounds well. It looks great when we post it on social media. And that's totally not true. Paul says in verse 8 of our reading today, we were utterly burdened beyond our strength so that we despaired of life ourselves. We were burdened beyond what we could bear. And in fact, that happened, he says, verse 9, so that we would rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So sometimes we are burdened beyond what we can bear so that we will trust in God more. That is what Paul is pushing for the second in 2 Corinthians as he talks about the comfort that God provided for him and how much he has suffered on behalf of the gospel and on behalf of the Corinthians. Corinthians, I care about you. You need to care about me. That's what 2 Corinthians is going to be about. We're going to see that theme repeated again and again and again. There you go then. That's our Bible reading for today. 11 verses. It will not take you long and it opens up the wonder of 2 Corinthians, a book where we really get to step inside Paul's heart. There may not be any place where Paul shares so much of his feelings and we're just going to get his emotions and how much he cares about this church at Corinth, a church in some ways that is not reciprocating that, at least not in the way that Paul wishes they would. There you go, then. Those are notes for daily Bible reading. Hope that the podcast is helping you. Hope that you would share that with others and that you would subscribe or follow and leave us a review. That helps more people find the podcast. As I'm closing, I'm thinking about the sermon series Asking for a Friend that continues this Sunday with a potent question. Hasn't science made God unnecessary? Wow, that's a real challenge to our faith. That's going on. You know it's going on. Let's talk about it this Sunday at the Westside Church of Christ in the 1040 hour. Hope you'll be with us in person or you'll stream it on Facebook or at justchristians.com. So until next time, may your coffee be delightful. I hope your Friday is wonderful and that the Lord will be with you today all day. I'll see you on Monday with a cup of coffee. Thanks for listening to the Westside Church of Christ podcast, Monday Morning Coffee with Mark. For more information about Westside, you can connect with us through our website, justchristians.com, and our Facebook page. Our music is from Upbeat.io. That's Upbeat with two P's, U-P-P-B-E-A-T, where creators can get free music. Please share our podcast with others. 
and we look forward to seeing you again with a cup of coffee, of course, on next Monday.